Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, just like a Murillo Crossfield ball. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win? Only via the app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery free in terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to Pod 1, Season 2 of Red Side of the Trent. I'm your host, Christian Brown. As always, I'm joined by Adam Wicklow, Reese Lane and Lee Clark. Again, very exciting. We're a Premier League pod and a lot has happened since we last spoke to you. It's almost like since the 1st of July struck, Forrest just went on a rampage. As we've seen, Omar Richards checked in today. It looks like Nico Williams will probably check in tomorrow at time of recording. Uh, Mouton Akase is in. Bianconi is in. Dean Henderson is in. Taiwo Awani is in. It looks like, as we just mentioned, Neko Williams will be next. Harry Toffolo will be after that and Lewis O'Brien after that. A lot has happened in that time. Obviously, since then, Forrest have gone to Spain. They've had some pre-season. Uh, we've had some people have left the club, both in a playing and a coaching capacity. And we've had a whole load of stuff as well, which we're all going to cover in due course. But we will start with positives. We'll start with the new signings. And... Reese, Omar Richards, the club finally have a left wing back again. Um, you know, just won the league with Bayern Munich, played 12 odd times from the league, I think it was, admittedly because people got injured, but still, that's quite impressive. Are you happy with that signing? Um, to be honest, I'm, I don't know a lot about him. Um, you know, I know he was at Reading before he went to Bayern, and I get the sense now what these big clubs try and do is pick up players with potential on a free and then mm. kind of sell them on a year later, which obviously helps their net spend that. Um, you know, we've seen it with City. I think they've sold a youngster to Southampton in this window for 15 million. You know, and these these academy players end up funding players for the first team. And that's a bit of a method I think big clubs are starting to use now. So, um, but back to Forrest, I don't know much about him, to be honest. I've, you know, when you watch a couple of clips, Watching a couple of clips doesn't really tell you much, really, until you, you know, you're in the city ground or St James's Park on the first day of the season. You're watching them live, so um, Reading fans rave about him. Uh, but that was obviously in the Championship. We all know Premier League is a massive step up, um, but he obviously suits how we play with wing backs, where you're looking for the emphasis of them is to probably be a better quality of going forward with us playing three at the back, you know, your right centre-back and left centre-back can probably cover more than the defensive duties. So, 
yeah, it's just nice to have a permanent left back. It's just something I think ever really since Stuart Pearce been on and off where we've had a left back for a period. You know, we had Alan Rogers, didn't we? Then we struggled for a bit and we had Jim Brennan and then we had, you know, Davi Oy and all kinds of low knees there and, you know, Julian Bennett for a bit and then low knees under Billy again. So it's always been a bit of a, one of them positions for Forrest I've always struggled with. So hopefully it'll be a good signing. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I do remember him at Reading. I do remember him being good at Reading as well. It was one of those that was sort of like, oh, you know, wouldn't mind him at Forest. But obviously you hear teams like Bayern Munich circling around. It's sort of like, we won't be signing him at Forest anytime soon. <laughs> well, I mean, you've just answered there, Christian. If Bayern Munich are looking at him, you know, from the Championship, what does that tell you? He must have some quality about him. Precisely, yeah, what did, yeah. Was it 17 times he played for them last season? Something like that. Again, granted, so I know injured, but still, it's not loads in the grand scheme of things, but when you've got Alfonso Davis and is it Theo Hernandez there with the left back? It's Lucas Hernandez, isn't it? Lucas Hernandez, sorry. Theo's AC, yeah. Yeah, Theo's AC and T. Um, it's not, you know, it's not bad competition. So, yeah, um, good, good signing, hopefully. Definitely, yeah, we'll obviously have to see how that plans out. And, of course, um, a few days before that, Adam, while we were all watching Sunny Spain and seeing Joe Worrell peek over the fence, uh, Moussa Nierkase came in, the football manager legend himself. Uh, but, obviously, you know, I guess, obviously, 26, brings a lot of pace, brings a lot of, you know, leadership as well. Obviously, he was mine's captain before he left. I mean, you, I mean obviously, given on, it looks like Steve Cook will probably be the one that is dropped from that back three. Are you quite happy that we've brought in another leader to sort of replace that sort of vocal nature of him? Yeah, you've got to look at the positives in that sense because obviously a lot of people aren't going to know a lot about him. I only know him from a computer game, which is quite hard to really judge someone on, unfortunately, because they don't always get it right. But I think when you've read about their minds finishing their highest they've ever done in the Bundesliga, he's been there for quite a few years, was interested in, uh, there was people say West Ham and Everton were interested in him and we've kind of beat him to the punch with it and he wanted to come here and he's kind of forced Mines' hand to get the transfer, which is a positive as well, that someone wants to be here and challenge themselves in the best league in the world, arguably. It's a good thing and he'll bring that leadership, he brings that bit of bit of experience playing in a, in a good league, I'd say. I think, I know people might, people might say Bundesliga is very, into, very competitive, but he's going to be playing against good strikers every week, good thought. So, no, it's a, it's a positive. We've already spoke about him, obviously, because there was a load of rumours about him coming. So, it's good. I think it's 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 unfair on Cook in a sense, but it still offers that competition. Is still that leadership. Cook can obviously uh, will still come in and be be of use to the squad because it's it's going to be it's five subs now. So we get we're going to need everyone at some point, I'd imagine. So it's good, healthy competition, I'd say. Yeah, definitely. I think. Um... Yeah, it's good. I think it's quite nice as well that that's probably the only position we've got so far, actually, where Forrest could actually put a big tick in the box next to. I think you will see, like, on the first, like, or moving on the season, our five centre-backs will be Worrell, Kirk, McKenna, Nick Arte, and, well, Biancone now, as will come on in due course. But um, it's good that we've got that uh, sorted. Uh, someone else who checked in on the Trent side, Lee, was Julian Biancone. I think it's Biancone. Uh, £5 million from Trois. Uh, looks like the right cover centre-back, basically. Um, for Warrell, but can also play right wing back as we saw in Coventry friendly, which will come on in due course. Uh, what's your thoughts on him? I mean, obviously he's not a player that I think most of us would know too well, but he seems to be a decent pedigree, young age, like a lot of scope to grow at Forest. Yeah, it ticks lots of boxes for us, doesn't it, for our new way of doing things. Um, 
I confess I don't know anything about him. I'd never heard of him. Um, not going to sit here and say that even playing football manager, I'd never come across him. Um, mm. So yeah, it's just one of those one of those little signings that you kind of. I think every single club that gets promoted from the Championship to the Premier League always puts one out, don't they? Um, and I guess he will be ours. I mean, Awani, um, I had heard of him before. Obviously, he was on Liverpool's books. So, yeah, I think he will be probably the only one that we do sign this summer that I've probably never never even come across. So, yeah, like you say, he looks... Um, he looks I think Steve Cooper loves players who can play in more than one position. Mm. I think the fact that Steve Cooper likes changing systems kind of in-game. So if he's got three or four players on the pitch who can play in three or four different positions, then I think he's a big fan of that. So, yeah, I think a lot of people have just presumed that he'll be signed as a backup option. But um, I actually think he might play a fair bit, to be honest. I think think it's good to have serious competition for places. I think he will seriously push for on a season. And that can only be a good thing for Forest moving forwards. So it, I'm looking forward to seeing how he gets on. Um, and like you say, like I suppose five million as well. Um, if if it was to fail, five million is a Premier League, five million is a Championship club. He's kind of got to come in and do something. Whereas five million for a Premier League club, if if he doesn't really adapt to the Premier League and we get rid of him after one season, you'd because of how he played last year in in France, you'd probably say a, a, a top flight club in that country would probably give us our money back for him. So. It's a bit of a low-risk deal for me as well. Yeah, definitely. Sign a sensible recruitment, which is always very good. Um, obviously, Reese, we've spoken before about Dean Henderson. You know about how you know how surreal it is for England. Sorry, for Forest to be linked with England goalkeepers, and you know, well, I think what has pleased me is apart from getting him in now, it looks like United are looking to move that Strakosha from Lazio on a free, which in theory opens the door for Henderson to leave next summer. So that why it doesn't officially look like we have a clause as we wanted, it does seem like his longer-term future is probably away from Old Trafford. And, you know, really, it's a huge coup for Forrest to get to all of his calibre in. Yeah, definitely. Because, like you just said, Christian, is, I know he's not in the three goalkeepers at the minute, but that's more down to the fact that he's just not been playing at Man United, which is a real shame. Um, you know, a keeper of his quality to be number two. And then, you know, obviously, Alan Ramsdale's come onto the scene and playing every week at Arsenal and he's Pipped into the post to get an England team as as Nick Pope as well who's playing every week at Burnley. So yeah, it'd be, it'd be good for him especially to come and play every week. Obviously, by the United games, you know, and from from his perspective, it will probably if he has a good season, which I'm confident he will do, it puts him in the shop window really because there'll be there's a few teams out there who have got aging keepers in the Premier League who maybe look. Um, obviously with him developing more that he could come in to be there number one obviously I hope it's Forrest but mm. um, we'd have to see on that front just depends how it goes for him but um, yeah you know it's a good sign and I'm, <laughs> I'm saying this after he looked a bit obviously the Coventry's first goal of the night is a bit suspect for but you know we'll blame the pitch on that one we'll <laughs> it's only, the guys only have played in the year <laughs> yeah it's only a pre-season friendly anyway so um, but yeah, I mean, they're the type of signings. It is a shame it's a loan. Um, you know, we've obviously been stung in a sense from last season with that um, because obviously it looks like, you know, Jed Spence is on his way to Tottenham. But if it's going to, you know, in this case, season preserve your Premier League status and he's a big part in that, then that's good. So, yeah, um, good on Forrest that was quick to act with obviously a shame that Samba. 
um, wanted to leave, but it is what it is. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like, it's still quite surreal, really. I mean, the fact that, you know, because I, think I was reading an article with the Athletic actually about Henderson. They were saying that he's just been so desperately unlucky. Like, you know, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer benched him for no reason in the Europa League final, despite him playing all the games previously. Apparently, he was set to start at the Euros ahead of Pickford, but got injured. Like, you know, we are talking about a very, very good goalkeeper here. And you know, we can find a way to. He must have been close at, you know, a couple of points from taking De Gea's shirt off him. You know, yeah. I've got a couple of mates who, you know, class themselves as United fans from this area. And, you know, one, we was talking and we expected that De Gea would be moved on while he was worth quite a decent amount and Emerson would slot in. But that hasn't happened. And obviously De Gea is still a terrific keeper. So it's a shame for him. But fair play to Henderson that he's coming out to a side where I mentioned this in the previous pod, could be easy for him to hold out for probably a club who's been, you know, in the Premier League a bit longer. But to come to a newly promoted club and just wanted to play that's good for me. So hopefully he'll do a good job for us. Definitely. And only 4.5 million on Fantasy Premier League as well. So they're interested. <laughs> um, Adam, we also broke our club records, uh, which for now, I mean, obviously that could change with Williams. It could change for someone moving forward. But for now, uh, on Taiwo Awani, it turns out that's how you pronounce it, not Awani, it's Awani. And um, yeah, obviously he's the new striker. He's the new number nine at Forest. He's, you know, taken the mantle. Um, again, you know, we've spoken about before. I mean, it's a pretty good, impressive record. Like 15 league goals for Union Berlin last year. They came fifth, the highest finish ever in the Bundesliga. Ex-Liverpool, you know, Jurgen Klopp's still a keen admirer, apparently, of uh, Awani. Uh, what was your take on that signing? Obviously, again, that very left-field signing, very much a recruitment-driven signing, in my sense, from the apartment. But what's your hopes and expectations for him this season? I mean, all the Nigerian uh, fan base are going to be now Forest supporters and keen watchers, <laughs> aren't they? Which is great. Um, you've got a great fantasy team name with him, which I couldn't, I couldn't, just couldn't think of one, but it's, it's a cracker. <laughs> Um, no, I think it's I think it's shrewd signing because I think we've kind of looked at it that we're not going to have a lot of the ball this season, are we? Against majority of sides, I would say. I see there's a, there's a clutch of teams where we look, oh, we should be dominating or looks to dominate. And I think Union Berlin were were I think they averaged forty four percent of the ball last season, um, and were counter attacking. And I think that's where we've kind of looked at it. Is he's, he's a I think he's more of a, like a one time finisher sort of in one touch finish sort of striker. Uh, so it's good that we've kind of looked at it that way in terms of we're not going to have much of the ball. So if when we hit on the counter-attack and get chances, he's someone that tends to take and when he can when he gets the opportunity. Uh, I've seen reports that his touch might not be the best. Uh, I mean, we've seen Lukaku make a career out of not having a very good first touch here in there. So we'll see what happens. But no, it's an exciting one. It'll be he'll look to want to prove himself because obviously he didn't get a chance at Liverpool because of work permit issues and, and, and what have you. But he, he kind of fits the bill physical physicality wise. So I'm excited to see what, what he can bring really. Him and Brennan Johnson will be an interesting partnership, I think, up top. I don't know if we can get someone that'll feed them both then fantastic. Hopefully it's Gibbs White. That that would be the dream. That would be the dream. Yeah, obviously I'll wait and see on that that front. He scored for Wolves in pre-season the other day. It's quite funny seeing some of the Forest fans being like, oh, he's held hostage, free him. But uh, obviously, <laughs> we'll have to see on that front completely. Um, okay, yeah. But it also looks likely that for £17 million, Neko Williams will be checking in. That seems like a formality at this stage. Uh, obviously, by the time this goes out, he's probably going to be assigned, no doubt. But um, And obviously, you're quite a big fan of him. 
So what do you think Williams can bring Forrest? Obviously, big shoes to fill with Spencer parting as well. Well, I, I mean, I don't think I'm as big a fan as a lot of people on social media are. Um, I think there's some that are, are presuming sort of his Cafu reincarnated, to be honest. But um, I, I do like the signing. I think 20, 21, 17 million again. Like I said about Biancone, yeah, 17 million, it sounds a lot because we've been out of the Premier League for 23 years. But mm. when you look at it and you look at who you're signing for 17 million, if you're signing a, a 28, 29-year-old for that, for that price he's kind of got to come in make an impact and have three or four good seasons with you but at 21 he's still learning he's played a bit of football he's not played loads I mean I think you've uh, alluded to it before Christian that the games he has played for Liverpool have kind of been either dead rubbers or domestic cup games or um, I think he did he did get a little tiny run in the Liverpool team I think maybe the year they won the champion uh, they won the Premier League but um, yeah, it typically is before his outings for Liverpool have been kind of sporadic and when there's not been a lot riding on the game. So um, I'm not too sure about that. But yeah, I just I just think it, it just looks at a decent piece of business. He fits our recruitment quite well. Um, his numbers aren't too bad in terms of sort of you look at the you know the analysis side of things and his crosses into the box that sort of thing. My big worry, and it's probably similar to yours, Christian, to be honest, is he's coming in to play in a role that he's not perhaps natural in. Um, he does like to get forward for Wales, uh, but I think that's more... Wales typically have a siege mentality, don't they? Whereas in the Premier League, we're going to need some sort of structure uh, to how we play. Um, so I think Cooper's big job with Nico Williams will be moulding him into a proper wing-back, whereas I think he comes to us as more of a full-back. Um, yeah, I know his numbers going forward and that do look pretty impressive if you listen to the right people. But I just think how we play, he's almost he's almost a polar opposite to Jed Spence, to be honest, um, on that side of the pitch. So hopefully he can quickly adapt to how we play and what Cooper wants him to do. Um, and I do think one thing that will help him with that is the fact that he's going to be linking up with Brennan Johnson, which you, you look at, well, you, you listen to things and it sounds like they've got a good relationship on and off the pitch. So mm. I think that might help him. And, I'm pretty relaxed about the sign, and I think he'll do okay for us. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly a big one. I think, like you said, I mean, seven, I mean, you're right in the sense 17 million isn't a lot for Premier League club, but it's still our second highest fee ever on a player, and it's a right wing back. But um, yeah, I mean, we'll have to see. I mean, again, my concern is purely over his lack of appearances in the Premier League. I think, like, mm-hmm. no, 16, I think it is. Is it Liverpool? If that 13, 16, the average is about 35 yeah, minutes a game. Like, it's not, I mean, fair enough, he had a good loan spell at Fulham, but. No, my my concern is that no one really attacked Fulham or Liverpool. No one, he just like not necessarily cruised by, but wouldn't necessarily have been that tested. And obviously, he will be next season in the Premier League. There's no two ways about that with Forest. But we will see. I mean, if Cooper wants him, and um, we're willing to pay that outlay for him, we have to trust him in the recruitment department. I'm sure he'll be a hit. Yeah, I think that's it as well. I think um, Spence was brilliant for us going forward, but I suppose with how we played it. He was pretty good defensively, but I suppose in the Premier League, the jury would be out on him defensively as well. So I guess whoever we had signed on that side of the pitch, they're going to have to prove a point to us supporters, I guess. So like you say, if Cooper wants him, he clearly fancies that he can do something with him and hopefully he can get a tune out of him sooner rather than later. Definitely. But definitely a crucial position for us. So yeah, that would be ideal. Race, it also looks like that... um... You know, the pain that we've caused Hullersill Town shows no sign of letting up. I mean, not only have we 
cost them 180 million pounds in place in the Premier League and subsequently caused their manager to resign. But it looks now like uh, Harry Toffolo will be joining for two and a half million um, if that's to be believed. Obviously, Dan Taylor has come from grade A source, as we know full well, and he says it's very far down the line. So, again, like you've got him and Richards vying for that left wing back spot. That's pretty good competition. Also, for two and a half million, we've done very well there. Yeah, obviously, this is speaking if it does happen. Um, I would expect if we did get tougher, that Richard would, would be number one choice, probably because of the outlay we've spent on him. Um, but um, like you say, Christian, you do need you do need backup. You know, as we, as we saw last season, you know, if we'd have got an injury, you know, say to Jed Spence, we would have been, you know, been a bit of, not 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 in trouble, but obviously someone would have had to come in like Larea and that. But you know what I mean. Now Larea kind of gets put down as a signing, what didn't make much sense. But you, you do get signings where you what are more like backups, and they just sometimes don't get the chance, and that's how it happens in football. Um, but yeah, I mean, the one I'd, I'd like from Woodersfield, I spoke about him on previous pods, is Lewis O'Brien, who we've been linked with. I think he'd be a great signing, um, very good, you know, to replace Garner, who. You know, he's, he's gone on a tour anti in Thailand um, with United. So, I'd, I mean, if that was to happen, I think that would be at the end of the window or Forrest by that stage would have moved on. He might go somewhere else. So, you know, Forrest have got to think about it here and now, which they are doing. So, it be interesting to see who we get in in the midfield area because we're not, we're not strongest in that area and obviously ahead of them in the, that number 10 area. So, yeah, we'll um, we'll see. But um, going back to the point, Toffolo, yeah, be a good signing. Uh, again, another player who fit, would fit our system, likes to attack. Mm. Um, I know at the back end of last season scored quite a few goals for Huddersfield. So yeah, for two and a half million, I mean, you don't you don't get a pint in the city ground for that type of money nowadays. <laughs> so um, yeah, if that was to go through, then yeah, decent signing. And you've got you've got to have a few of these like. You know, two like being Kone's coming anti five million. You're going to have a few of these type of players. You can't be spending twenty million on every single player because Forest need you know probably a dozen, even more players. Mm. And you, if you spent twenty million on each player, you're talking a quarter of a billion. So um, I know Marinak is saying he's going to back us, which he has done, but I think that would be a bit excessive. So yeah, you've got to find a bargain um, in there sometimes. So Toffolo would fit that bill perfectly. Definitely, I think as well. Um, what's uh, the point that Lee made earlier actually in our little chat? I don't think Toffler would come in like accepting second place. I think he'd come no. in thinking that that spot is very much his for his to earn as well. It's not like okay, the outlay is maybe a bit greater for Richards, but you know, he's, uh, he's more than capable of showing, especially on the stellar season, stellar season he's just had that you know, he's. I think, yeah, it's a good signing on a number of levels. I think it's good because it will boost competitiveness between those two as well because anyone who steps up is like, right, that's it. And I think that that's healthy and that's good to have. It um, keeps everyone on their toes. But uh, as you just mentioned, Lewis O'Brien there, Adam, it looks like he could well be next in, after, or one of the next in. And the first in central midfield as well, by those of things, um, the £10 million, apparently that's his release clause. You've spoken before about how important it is uh, to have someone who can run with the ball from midfield to carry the ball, especially when we're counter-attacking, which, as you mentioned earlier, we're likely to be pending quite a bit at the time. So to have someone to a dynamo, really, to just carry the ball through the midfield is very going to be quite important to us. 
So do you think Lewis O'Brien will be that man to fill that void? Yeah, for sure. I think, I, I mean, I, I, I watched briefly the EFL upload of the playoff final game and I watched a few clips of, and I kind of kept my eye on a bit of Lewis O'Brien and he gets his toe to a lot of things and then he kind of like almost looks like he's going to lose the ball and then just gets past people with quite a lot of ease actually. He does take on like our midfield quite comfortably and, and he drives at defenders and, and I, think, I quite like that. It's, it's probably the one thing that he has over Garner in, in that respect. I think they're quite similar players in terms of they get a lot of interceptions and they 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 got some tenacity about them. I think what Garner has over over Lewis O'Brien is that passing ability and set pieces. But O'Brien makes up for that with his, with his dribbling ability. I would say though Garner doesn't lack that too too much either. But yeah, it's they they're kind of similar but not. And I just think if we're going to play over this counter attack, he's going to be someone that's quite vital. He's still quite young, so he's going to want a point to prove. Obviously, being in the Premier League and. If the worst comes to happen, he's probably not going to be too disheartened about being back in the championship because we'd have built quite a reasonably good side. But we seem to be building blocks in terms of staying up and potentially going back down, if that makes sense. Mm. I think that's why you've seen the signs of like Biancone and obviously then Toffolo kind of fits that bill almost. But I, I think we're we're being quite shrewd. It's quite good that we're not just just forking out 30 million on random players. You'll know, be like Fulham did with John Mikel Seri, who's ended up going to Hull of all places recently, which is absolutely balmy. They they I think I'm glad we're not doing that sort of thing. We're we're if we're going to spend 30 million, I'd expect it to be on like a player that's going to really, really push push us up the league, if you know what I mean. This is where the debate about Gibbs White's value and price, what you're willing to pay for him, because he can play like four different positions essentially. So it's a it's a tricky market, but we're doing pretty well to say how inflated it is in the last what ten years, you'd say. No, you would absolutely, yeah. And it's it's very interesting to see, and obviously not finished yet. It's still less under a month till the season starts. And like Reece says, I wouldn't I would put it past the club to get another six or seven in on top of what we've done already. And we'll look at like I think we'll be the busiest team this window in the Prem with at least twelve plus incomings. I think Cooper mentioned it in his in his post match didn't he against Cov that. We we need we need more players. Yeah. And he, he said like the second half team that got put out, majority of them probably either going to leave the club in a capacity of either alone or or we're going to get we're just going to say thank you and goodbye sort of thing. Either get selling them or whatever. But yeah, we need we need a big squad. And it seems like a lot of players, but I think we've already mentioned we lost five loans or whatever it is. Uh, Samba's gone, so it's kind of you've got to replace them six players and then add more to the depth, haven't you? Pretty much, yeah. In a nutshell, it's a tough, it's a tough ordeal. And like, I, I've seen many arguments about this. I saw someone say, um, in some ways, like clubs like Bournemouth, for example, are maybe a bit hamstrung by the fact that while we've lost six players because they're loan or five players because they're loanees, we can effectively replace them. But whereas Bournemouth are very much stuck with what they have, and it looks like, I mean, with what they've done so far, pretty much resigned themselves to find your place at the minute. So there's that argument in the sense that you can, you know, you replace what you have outgoing with better, and we have largely done that. But it's uh, it's a lot of upheaval, and you know, but we've got the best man in my eyes to to, to calm that people down and get a synchronised outfit out of him. I think people will do that, but yeah, we're going to be very very busy. And um, finally, Lee, I mean, it's not necessarily a new transfer. A uh, new signing as such, sorry, but it is a new deal. Obviously, Brennan Johnson, we finally managed to tie down Brennan Johnson on a four-year contract, which 
a massive relief all round really at Seagrounds. I mean, even if he has to be sold next summer, I mean, we're going to guarantee like a huge fee for him. I mean, obviously it would have been a disaster had we not renewed him and had to sell him this summer, as well as all the other, other, other upheaval, which we'll come on to in due course. But I mean, just, I know it sounds like a very silly question because it is, we know how important he is, but in your eyes, just how important is it that we actually manage to tie Johnson down for the next four years? Oh, it's massive. It's, um, probably the signing of the summer. I know that probably sounds a crazy thing to say when you've lost so many players. Of course, you need you need to make other good signings, but I think the the thing that Forest do typically do well is get good fees for the youngsters. And I think Johnson was running the risk of being one that was exceptional, but we were going to get absolutely nothing for him um, if we did let that contract run down. So I think, yeah, I th- sometimes contracts aren't really worth... You look at Matty Cash, he signed a contract that still got sold the following summer, mm-hmm. but we did get £16 million for him. Um, and then we were kind of in the doldrums of the Championship and we looked like we'd never, ever get out um, until the end of time. But now things are a little bit different. I think even if Forrest were to get relegated, I still think we'd... I mean, there is talk that there's a release clause of £20 million if we go down, which, yeah, if, if we do go down, Brennan Johnson's probably not going to have have had a, a particularly good season so we, we probably could command the full 20 million still um but it is what it is i think it, it we had to get it done we had to just show that we especially with the samba news coming out everyone was kind of like oh nobody wants to play for forest people want to leave even though we've got promoted and it's like i'm not sure that is the case so mm. so johnson kind of um stamping his colors to the mast if you like and saying look i want to stay and i want to help us do well in the premier league is is definitely a big step in my eyes. We've done the classic um, FM thing as well, sign a friend to help them settle in, even though we really have settled in, but obviously yeah. that, that will no doubt entice them a bit longer. But um, yeah, moving on from transfers and contract talk, obviously we had uh, a game against Coventry City uh, race uh, over in Spain. So we lost it 3-1. Uh, two two um, Forest 11s, very, very different and contrasting. Obviously the second 11 was like, Shades of that Wolves League Cup game where we sent out the under tens and lost four uh, nil. <laughs> I mean, what, what do you think people would have taken from that? Because I mean, obviously, like th- that second half team basically says, "Look, I don't care about the result. I just want like minutes and legs, sort of thing." And I guess a few people would have got a chance for a shop window. Others, mm, interesting. But obviously, you got to, you actually watched the game. Or you think you're the only one out of all of us did watch the game? So, what do you think you would have taken from that? And what were your initial impressions from it too? Um. What do I think you'd have taken from that that second half team? Probably the whole eleven won't be near the team this season. Um, I looked at that second half team now. Jordan Smith's third choice. We have three keepers. Then you've got Mbeso and Panzo probably gone loan. Oyeda probably needs a loan. Martin, we've spoken about this, definitely needs a loan. Cafu, squad player at best, you'd probably say. Um, is he out of contract at the end of? next season, when did this season come in? So um as much as I like Cathy, I can't you can't be afford to be sentimental in the Prem. The Costa, I mean that's just been a, a a real waste of money. Um trying to think who else play. But I mean you, you looked at that second half team that that that's a team that would probably struggle to stay up in the championship. So it's just that was just full of players who either need to be moved on or loaned. And the first half team was pretty decent. Obviously you're missing you star man last season, Brennan Johnson, player of the season, McKenna from that. So it's just a typical pre-season, really. It's more, you know, this Lee made a good point into commentary further down the line than us. So, yeah, you know, that was our, that was us kind of shaking off the ring rust and 
to be honest, we should have really gone in half-time at 1-0 up. We just referee decided to play three minutes out of time in a pre-season friendly, which was a bit odd because there wasn't really much stoppages apart from a water break. So, but no, it, it, it is what it is. Pre-season, we, we saw the Leicester result, didn't we, yesterday against Knotts. It's just about getting prepared, ready for that opening day at Newcastle. Mm-hmm. Um, if you you know the result, as long as you're not you know getting absolutely tanked, it's you know the result's kind of irrelevant. Really, you're trying different things, different formations, different players, and you could see after the game. Um, you know, Steve said you could just tell he, he knew that second half team probably not. They all are not going to be near the team this season. You know, they, they either need moving on or alone in some capacity. So. And he knows we need more players, as we've said. Um, we're not we're not just signing players for the sake of it. We need these players. We need a dozen players because the squad, even still now, has still got a lot of holes in it. So, yeah, um, as we go on, somebody, I, I think Forrest will end up probably doing a deal maybe on the last day because it just how it goes, you know. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. So far, it's been good. Obviously, we've improved the defence, replaced the keeper, but you know, I'm sure in due course now, the next couple of weeks, we'll be really pushing hard to get some midfielders in because we need it. Yeah, definitely. Although it is interesting you mentioned about Ajada because, as I mean, it looked like in the game, or say the second half, it basically lacked a lot of emphasis or anything like that. Ajada did seem a bit of a bright spark. And obviously, you normally get one in pre-season every year who sort of does stand out and makes you like, ask the question, I mean, I remember when Matt Darvish had scored like five goals in six games in pre-season once. Everyone was like, oh, we're going to bring him back. And then, of course, he went like 15 games out of goals, something stupid. But as Reese mentioned, Capri's out of contract next year. Colback's out of contract next year. Jada's still only 21, 22, I think. So do you think he could be potentially, if he impresses in pre-season with the opportunities he gets, which obviously he will get a few others, there's no doubt about that. Do you think he can maybe take a claim for the bench, potentially? as Premier League starts, obviously we get nine subs now. I don't see why not. I think he's technically a quite a good, tidy player. And I think in the Premier League, you do get like, you kind of destroys, as I like to call them, do like Kante and, and uh, well, I'm trying to think Rice off the top of my head. And there's, there's several more. Decore, who's gone to Crystal Palace, he'll be a bit of a de- destroyer, I think, there kind of thing. You know what I mean? But and I think, you got then then your tidy players like your Bernardo Silvers and that who aren't the biggest lads, but they get round the pitch because they're technically really good. And I think Ayeda kind of fits into that sort of category. And I know we've not seen a lot of him, but I think technically he could be all right. It, it, it's really hard to say because he's been so limited to, to matches and obviously settling in from Paraguay and everything. But I mean, when you watch South American football, they do like to kick chunks out of each other. He might be all right, you know. <laughs> so but it's, it's it's really hard to say. I, I think he could be part of the squad, but it just depends what we do in centre midfield. We've been linked with a hell of a lot of players in that mm. position, but really hard to say what's going to happen. I think it was what Reece said last season about replacing James Garner is going to be so much more difficult than, than what we've done already and who, we've, who we're going to bring in like obviously if we bring in Nico Williams in the next day or so from recording this and that's right wing back kind of sort and if being Kone can kind of fill in there as well as centre half so it's going to be an interesting next couple of weeks before Newcastle we've got three weeks to go or like just less than three weeks to go I think no sorry four weeks to go isn't it mm. till the season I, I won't be shocked to see three centre mids come in 
maybe one of them being a centre attacking midfielder. But I think Kieda can make a case for the bench at least. I don't think yeah. we'll get rid of him. It will so, be yeah. interesting to see how, how that transpires, to be fair. I mean, obviously, there's, it seemed like when we signed him, he was sort of like maybe sort of in mind as a next year's replacement for Ghana in the championship. But obviously, we've got promoted. So it's sort of like <laughs> scuppers out somewhat. But we'll have to see. I mean, Again, That's happened I, I, with so many transfers, hasn't it? Yeah. Where it's been, oh, we'll get this player to replace this player for next season. And suddenly Steve Cooper's worked an absolute miracle and got us promoted. And we've gone, oh, shit. <laughs> we yeah, need I mean, so many more. It is good because obviously he does you know, cover all angles, cover all bases. But it's interesting to see how we approach now when they're not maybe necessarily as required as they would have been in if we were to the championship. But we'll have to see. I mean, obviously, I don't think you'd be a Paraguayan international. I know not, not a world superpower. You wouldn't be playing centre midfield for a, you know, a side who looks always to get into the World Cup in fifth or fourth in that group, unless you've something about you. So we'll have to see. Have to see. It'll be interesting to see how he gets on in pre-season. That's one to keep an eye on for sure. But um, obviously, looking at outgoings now, obviously, we'll start with Stephen Reid, who first team coach has obviously left to work in mental health, which is very honourable for him. And again, you know, huge deserves huge applause like commendation for, not only for that but what we've done for the club as well like you know obviously he was you know, kick-started the turnaround at Huddersfield he got the chance to leave the team out and you know fair play to him what he's doing is bigger than football so that is hugely impressive work so obviously we have to find in the meantime we have to find a new first team coach of course but as well as joining him we've had a whole host of people go out. so obviously uh Will Swan's gone out on loan race uh, to Mansfield do you think that will be his level, do you reckon now we're a Premier League side? Do you think probably won't come back to Forest next season, or do you think there's still a future there for him, some capacity? I'd, I'd agree in sense that it probably won't come back to Forest. He'll probably, you know, I'd imagine he'll might follow the same kind of path as what Tyler Walker has. Mm. You know, he Tyler had that good season, didn't he? Um, was it in League One with Lincoln and Mansfield, um, or two seasons? But yeah, I haven't seen enough of him. Um, you know, he's only made a couple of appearances as a Tiff Forest, maybe one. I, he come on, didn't he? In the he, was it the Sabri regime or maybe? I think I've got a funny feeling it was against Cardiff at home. Play it's Reading. Uh, um, yeah. Well. Yeah. So not really seen much of him. You know, he it'd be good for him personally to go out and you know a local club as well in Mansfield. He'll be looking to you know get themselves um, back into League One. Um, under Nigel Clough whether or not he's got a future for us probably I'd be more inclined to say no now we're in the Premier League um, you know unfortunately when you've got so many academy players they're not all going to make the grade so um be interesting to see how he does you know and if we can get if he does alright at Mansfield and we can get um, a bit of money for him then good I mean how old is he now is he 21, 22 something like that yeah yeah so you know when you I know it is under 23s but when you get to that age you need to be you want to be playing every week I'm sure you you know when, when you kind of leave it where you're going to break through from our perspective you know you probably would have expected would have broke through by now so um, yeah um, hopefully he does well for Mansfield and himself and that but couldn't imagine him being part of Forest's future, as harsh as that sounds. No, it's it's, it's true. I mean, this is the nature of the of nature of competitive sport, of course. Like you know, there are only so many, only eleven player players you can pick. It's a very, you know, of course, the cream rises to the top. It's very very difficult. And of course, you know, you're as you said, at his age, you want opportunities. Is he going to get that at Premier League like Forest? Probably not. So 
we'll have to wait and see how it again how that transpires. The, thing, you know. the problem probably now we're in a position if we do stay in the Premier League, you know, this season for what however long we probably we won't be bringing through as many academy players as we used to because Unless they're exceptional, a, yeah, yeah, because it's just a different level of quality. Um, you know, you look at like the academy players we've brought through the last few years, like you know, the one that springs to mind is obviously Alex Martin. Would he have got brought through if he was in the Prem? Probably not. So mm. I know it, I know it sounds harsh and that, but you know, this is the level we're at now, and you know, there's no room for sentiment at this level because we we need to stay in the we need to stay in the Premier League. Absolutely, yeah. It's um, yeah. I think realistically, Johnson's gonna have to be the standard, which is exceptionally yeah. difficult. Yeah, that's the standard. Yeah, yeah. I, I think if you're looking at the academy as well, like um, that that those players that played in the FA Youth Cup final against Man United, I think the the the, the couple that maybe stand out that might have got an opportunity if we'd been in the Championship, you'd look at Dale Taylor immediately because he's a full, full Irish, yeah. full Northern Irish yeah. international and, and then a separate song because he was just scoring goals for fun, wasn't he? Yeah. And then, um, I mean, you've seen Farrell Johnson now make a, make a sign a new contract. But Joe, I think under 20, I think we said this before about under 23 football or it's going to turn under 21s. It's, it's a farce, isn't it, really? I think if you're not breaking in the team by... 18, 19, 20, you should be looking to leave the club and go out and pursue something else in it, either in a lower league. Because I think now, what we're saying, you get, you're getting loaned out to League Two and you're in the Premier League. If you're not getting loaned out to the Championship, you've, you're not going to get in the first team. I'm sorry. Yeah. Should, unless, like, suddenly you a, become a, like this absolute beast. Especially Harry Kane, did. 21. I mean, Harry Kane was a yeah. loan Orient, to be fair. Spurs. Right. The thing is, he's getting loaned out when he's like 17, 18, and then getting loaned out to championship yeah. teams. And then he plays I mean, against Forest and League Cup and he becomes Harry Kane. Thought, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Swan's like in his early 20s. You know, I, I agree with Adam's point, apart from, you know, a tiny bit older. When you get into that early 20s, if you're not kind of broke through, then it's like, I kind of need to go out and play, really. Mm. So um, obviously Jordan Smith's the exception for us, so he's I just think, happy to be fair. <laughs> but yeah, I think if we know. don't, I think obviously we're going to touch on Graben's situation. I think Lyle Taylor's going to probably going to be one that we look to get rid of. Yeah, I don't, don't think he's good enough. I think an outside punt would be Dale Taylor making an appearance in the Premier League because of like how far his his progress has been. Obviously playing for Northern Ireland because it is a big deal. Sign new contracts. Sign new contracts. Um, but I think it's a very far outside chance. It's like kind of saying like Yates for England for the Euros. <laughs> it, it'd be, I think it'd be another one. Taylor, it'd, it'd be nice. This is Dale Taylor, not Lyle. It'd be nice to see him go out on loan. Maybe, I don't know, top end league one. Maybe. Um, just somewhere where he's going to play every week. Um, you know, under twenty three football. I know it. It is competitive, but it's not the same as it. It's not the same as you know being there and doing it in front yeah, three of, points. Of yeah, in front of like a big crowd. Now, if it, you know, say if you went on loads Sheffield Wednesday, be playing in front of twenty thousand every week. You're never gonna play at that under twenty threes unless it's like the final. What we was involved in. So yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah, I mean, I, I see both sides. I see pros and cons of both. But I think, like the way, like I said to the other guy the other day, I think technically you would develop a lot better playing on a 21 and 23 football because you're using better facilities, better, like, like you know, just the way things are. Like, you, you're, you're focused with somebody on ball work. However, you develop physically and mentally better on loan at the right club, of course. Of course, obviously, a negative loan spell can set you back months. 
because obviously, like Adam says, the expectation is to win games. You're playing in front of big crowds. You know, it's a, it's a whole different ball game. You just need someone. Pro, I, don't, I, don't, I wouldn't sack one off for the other, for example. They are pros to both. It's just a case of utilising which one's best for someone's development. In an ideal world, you'd need, if you are going to loan someone out, you need to loan them out to someone who plays similar style to what Forrest do, mm. because that is, on your point, Christian, very good point. Forrest will now play probably the same style throughout all the teams. You know, so they're getting that use of that style. So when they make the, if they do get the um, step up to the first team, they're integrating that style and how we play as a club. So you wouldn't want them to say go to X club in X division and they'd be like a long ball side, you know what I mean? And they don't play similar to Forest because, like you said, that's when the progression can get hampered. So mm. it's, it's it's good now we we picking the right club as well. I think I feel that's um, um very good for loanies. Yeah, important, should I say? Very important. Yeah. One, the part that did catch my eye, I think it's a really good move all round, uh, is Tyree Fauna going alone to Reading. So, Reading have just lost Josh Laurent. Um, they've got you know, Paul Ince in charge. Okay, Paul Ince's managerial credibility is somewhat mixed, but I mean, if he works with a one to one basis of player, there are very few players that Fauna could probably learn off better than. You know, a world class midfielder his day, played for England, won, champ- won Premier Leagues, Manchester United, etc. So he's got a good base there. I mean, I think that works all around. I think he's going to get a lot of game time there, personally, at um, Jason Stadium, which could be a blessing or a curse, depending on how you view the place. Uh, uh, Lee, what's your thoughts on um, Fauna going to Reading for the year? Yeah, I think it's good that we've got him a championship move sorted. Mm. Um, I think League One was ideal when we were a championship club, but now, now we're in the Premier League, it would be great to get. The youngsters out playing regularly in the championship. Um, like you say, Reading is a bit of a basket case of a club at the minute, isn't it? They're losing players and they kind of they're filling gaps with probably younger players, uh, probably more younger players than some of the fans would like. Um, but I think it will be a good test for Fauna because he's kind of proved himself in League One. I, I, I thought the Shrewsbury move was a little bit strange, just on mm. the basis that he kind of smashed it the year before with a club. But with all due respect to Shrewsbury, finished a little bit higher in the league. So I thought that was a little bit of a strange one. But at that age, I suppose playing games is more important. But yeah, I think it's a really good move. Um, like you say, they've sold, I think they've sold all of the central midfielders. So he's going to play. Um, the last thing you want for a loan move is to send him to a club where he's going to have to fight for his shirt. I know that sounds stupid that a loan player should presume to walk in the team. But if, you, if you're borrowing a player, there's clearly a gap that needs filling. So um, I think Nigel Clough was the master of that last year, wasn't he? Signed a goalkeeper and then put him on the bench all season. It's like, why would you not just pick one up on a free? Um, so, yeah, I'm pleased he's gone to a championship club. Um, it'll be interesting to see how long Ince gets there because if they start really poorly, the, the, things are going to turn toxic pretty yeah, quickly. So, I'm not sure if... I don't think Ince will walk away because, I, well, I think Ince will be grateful for any managerial job that comes his way, to be honest. Um but yeah, it'll certainly be an interesting season for him. I think probably more off the pitch than on it. But if he plays loads of games, I think the message from Cooper will be that you can come back and this time next year be competing right. for the place in the first team. Yeah, well, definitely. I mean, obviously, like you know, especially with as mentioned earlier with Jada, like yeah, you know, we've got Colback and Caffey both out of contract next season. It's no, it's not inconceivable, regardless of what league we're in. Fauna could come back. Let's say he does exceptionally well, for example, and like you know, not quite team of year standard, but you know, puts in very good numbers and figures. He could come well, back. That's it. I mean, even if, like, you know, even if we, yeah, I mean, even if we we were to sign two central midfielders this year, 
I mean, some would say we probably need three. Um, mm. But I do think Colback will act as a backup this year, to be honest. Um, probably Cafu as well. But like you say, if they're both going next summer, our need for a central midfielder, whatever division we're in, next summer will be even more urgent than this summer, to be honest. Because um, like I say, there's, just gonna, there's gonna be no one. There's gonna be a Jada and Yates. And that's, well, the two we signed this year, provided they're not kind of stellar players that will get picked off if we do get relegated. Mm. It's, yeah, it's, it's definitely interesting. Obviously, I'm sure that if we were to go down and we look at contract extensions, but I mean, this is why I think this move works out so well. Obviously, we've got four enough over two years at least. I think if it does well this year, they look maybe look at contract extension, look at them getting inside. I think it works well for everyone. I'm really happy with that and hope it goes as fast as it. But yeah, and someone else who obviously needs to be playing games and has actively done so as a Ms. Ethan Horvath, who's gone on loan to Luton Town. Um, I, I completely get this. Obviously, he wants to play. And it looks like a very fragile spot for the US as well. Because, um, you know, Stefan's gone on like a borough now. He's been bombed out of City. Matt Turner, he's going to be number two at Arsenal. So he won't be playing very frequently, maybe in Europe. But, you know, so for Horvath's perspective, do you blame him particularly for wanting to step away from being a number two and playing twice all season for Forest, as opposed to playing 46 games at Luton? Uh, no, not at all. I think it's it's good on him, really. Like, if... if... If, especially if the club have just said to him, look, you're not going to start. We're going to bring a new goalkeeper in who's even better than Samba, um, arguably. Then then it's a no-brainer, really, for Horvath. Um, good shot stopper. I think he'll do all right at Luton because they don't kind of play from the back in terms of, of that style. So you don't have to worry about having to like control a ball and ping it out to the left and right back or anything like that. You can just focus on, on keeping the ball out of the net. And I, th- I think Luton have got a half-decent goalkeeper there. I think he'll do quite well, in, in, in all honesty. Um, so, yeah, good luck to the guy. Uh, fair play. Definitely, yeah. Good luck to him. Obviously, like, again, I'm sure we could even make money on that when he comes back. We'll have to wait and see. But, yeah. Uh, obviously, though, uh, Reese again, we did get the official confirmation that Reese Samba had left the club to go to Lons. It did seem, though, as if we got quite a decent fee. It's like 4.3 million or so. Which is good value for the club, obviously. You know, if, not only for someone with one year left, but we doubled. I think it's the last, it's the only time actually in a long, long time, probably since Antonio, that Forest have bought someone and sold them on for a big profit, like more double what they paid for them. So that was good. But obviously, again, very sad. And it's been quite bittersweet, really, seeing how he's still interacting with Forest fans. He's kept NFFC in his little Twitter bio, et cetera, et cetera. Obviously, sent that video for um, Rogan's dad, which is really sweet of him. But yeah, we. Away from a playing side of things, though, we have lost a very big character. How difficult do you think it would be to replace that? Um, I think Henderson is similar in terms of that Shatasari. I've, I've obviously watched quite a bit of Premier League football. I've seen him a few times. And Sheffield United fans says he is a bit of a character. So in that sense, I think Henderson will probably slide into his role um, quite well. It. I think the nicest thing about Sam was it, it, it could have got a bit toxic, couldn't it? There was a few comments early doors before we signed Henderson. And you kind of like thought, you know, don't let this like, you know, it's taint. just, yeah. yeah, just, yeah, taint your forest career. You know, things do happen and move, you know, like I've said in this podcast a few times, you know, sentiment in football is just not, you know, we've seen how bad that's gone in the past with Forrest appointing managers on sentiment. So you, you just, you know, you, you've kind of got to move away from that, especially now you're in the big league. Um, so it was nice to kind of see in the end, it, you know, it went down amicably. And, you know, um, 
there's been, you know, Forrest thanked him and he thanked us and we moved on. Um, it'll go down. Do I say legend, the modern day Forest legend? Is that Not a bit hero, too much? I cool hero, give yeah. an icon. Yeah. I, I think for that that performance in the second leg, I mean yeah. that that that'll probably go down as one of the best goalkeeping performances in the club's history. Um, probably since the European Cup days, memorable mm. because you know he's literally got a stud on. You know he doesn't get a stud on that. And we're, we're sat here now talking about the championship, so. Yeah, and you know, and then obviously we've got the penalty saves, and we to save to save three pounces in a shootout is for any goalkeeper is at any level is tremendous. Mm. Um, you know, so you know he, he spared our blushes or Lolly's blushes of taking the um the shootout to the last penalty. So yeah, I've got I wish Sam the best of luck. You know, he's had his moments, but we've you know he's been on the whole really good for Forest. Um. And you know he come back from that Stoke debacle, and he was excellent. I thought in the running, as seen in that playoff um, second leg. So yeah, wish him all the best. And um, yeah, like you say, Christian will go down as a modern day court hero for Forest fans of the younger generation. He'd be, he'd be in the icons list on FM, wouldn't he? Like that's where he would. <laughs> I, I mean, I know I know our question this week's about been about grabbing, but I would have liked to have heard one about Samba because you know, like if you don't see all the games, especially away from home, it'd have been interesting to see what people come up with of their favourite Samba moment because there was about a clusterfuck of loads this season alone, really, especially like the derby game. I mean, that was. That was brilliant. Think, think <laughs> you get under, you get under favoured personnel, wouldn't he? Um, yeah. Samba, maybe. But no, yeah. sorry, Christian. I'll, I'll let you carry on. <laughs> that was all I wanted to say. I mean, we are actually going to come on to Graven now, actually, right enough. Because we, we were dealt, I think, something of a surprise in that Graven has turned down a one year extension at Forest. And it looks like he's going to ride off into the sunset, maybe to Midlease. There have been rumours of him going to West Brom, which would make sense. Obviously, see Bruce, although very congested attacking unit there. So it's not guaranteed playtime. So it's interesting. I mean, I was. Adam, were you surprised at Graven not this deal back? And, you know, obviously we'll come on to our question later, but how much of a miss do you think he'll be? Again, maybe not necessarily in the playing capacity, but behind the scenes too. I mean, we saw how we nurtured Keenan Davis through the last few months of the season, like helped him with his finishing, etc. Like we're losing again, another big character. Yeah, definitely. And I know people criticise his uh, leadership uh and, and everything, but I, I think it was quite clear that he was a he was a big asset in the dressing room essentially, and and on the pitch as well because he was that top scorer this century. So it's it's you can't really deny his his uh his ability and 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 leadership as a as a footballer and as a person because he obviously cared a lot about this club. But I I just think he probably thinks at his age, although would be in the Premier League. I think he'd probably just rather play at his age. I think you want to play as much as you possibly can before you finish it all off. It's just, mm. it's a difficult one, especially when you bring in the fifth high goal, highest goal scorer. I think he was in in Tyro, wouldn't he? From from Union Berlin and, and pay beat beat transfer record, and then you've got Brennan Johnson. I think you you kind of already know that your, your chances are going to be pretty limited. So it's sad to see see grab and go. I, I, there's 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 plenty of things to talk about of favourite moments as we'll get on to. But yeah, it's it's disappointing. But I'm not I'm not surprised that either. Uh, and it's going to be hard to replace that that experience. But we're kind of looking in a different direction now. It's as Reese said, it's 
you can't be sentimental now in the Premier League. Yeah. Though, though we did try to be in a sense of offering a one year one year deal, but yeah, it is what it is. Yeah, it's a sad one. I mean, in terms of, again, like you know, uh, as me and Lee will testify, we've backed Graven so many times. Again, like needless state from our fans. Again, about realizing how good he has been and as he was, and like. Yeah, obviously we're we're fortunate now. We've got the glitz and glamour in the Premier League, and we can afford to sign seventeen and a half million pound strikers. But Graven was so good for us, so it's a bit of a, it's a shame in that aspect. But genuinely, good luck to him. Wish him all the best again. Like you know, an absolute hit. Of, I mean, for a championship club, spend six million pounds. You want quite a bit of investment on that. I say Graven more than gave us what we paid for him. More than paid that back. So you know, again, wish him all the best. And a bit sad it's ended that way, but again. But it's his decision. Yeah, I hope he goes to Middle East somewhere and plays, earns a lot of money and scores a lot of goals against, you know, in the sun somewhere in Dubai. Good luck to like whatever he does, he does. Yeah, one person who, again, finally, who could probably, who is looking likely to be out the exit door. I mean, he wasn't in Spain. Um, I don't know if that's because of international commitments or not, but Richie Larea obviously looks like, you know, came in, did a job for us as a backup wing back, came on when we needed him against Fulham. Um, but obviously, understandably, once first in football, we're headed playing for Canada at the World Cup. Looks like he'll be going out on loan. Do you think that's a big loss at all? I mean, obviously, we've got to sign. We are obviously assuming we sign Williams, we're going to have to sign up a right back anyway to give him cover. But is it a little bit annoying that we maybe couldn't keep hold of him? It's another player to sign, for example. Yeah, I think it's a strange one, isn't it? I mean, I personally think we signed him because I think there was a. I think there was probably a higher possibility than the club let on that we might lose Spence in January. Mm. So I think they saw it as a decent option just to slot straight in. I mean, when he played against Hull, yeah, it was a bit of a dead rubber, but um, he looked okay. He looked similar to Spence in the sense that he liked to just get the ball and run with it, basically. Um, but yeah, it is a bit of a strange one. I mean, we've had so many players over the years as under the previous regimes and that that have come in and not really played and there's a lot of agent work, you know, looking at Forest and thinking, oh, yeah, we'll get, get a cushy contract there. But I don't think that's the situation with Larry. I think, I actually think we thought he'd play a bit more. Um, but because we went on such a good run and all of a sudden we were in contention for the playoffs and even for automatic for a while, there was just no need to change the team. So he's kind of been a victim of Forest's success, I think. Mm. Um, and yeah, if, if to be honest, would loaning him out at 27 really be of use to anyone? Probably not. Um, I think if a club offered a, a small fee, I think we'd consider getting rid of him. To be honest, um, yeah, getting money back for him, sort of thing. We pay. Yeah, I think it, I think he was signed. He was signed as a, an option for the championship. And make no bones about that. There's there's no way on this earth that he just came out of the blue, didn't it? No one was linked with him. You typically look at the players we've signed this summer. Bianco, no, the exception because I've never heard of him. But they've all been linked to other clubs. Premier League clubs have been circling. They've been sniffing. They've been wanting to sign him and that sort of stuff. Whereas no one had heard of Larrier before we, unless you were Canadian and followed it closely, but um, no one had heard of him. So I think I'd be very surprised if an English club took him on loan. I think he's going to either have to go back to the MLS or maybe somewhere in Europe. He said his dream was to play in Europe, didn't he? So I think his agent would push for that. Mm. But yeah, if, if a club offers a little bit of money, I think we'd actually sell him. Not bad shout, to be fair. I mean, it's, it is a weird one. I think you are right, actually. Like, he was very much signed with notion of if we stay down, for example, he would have been our first choice right back this season. Yeah, and I think you, I actually fight, think but... he would. I think I, I think we'd have if we'd have been in the championship club. I think he would have. We wouldn't have even signed a right back. We'd have maybe brought him back through a bit more and used Larry as the first choice and and spent the, the money we did have elsewhere. I think. Yeah, it's probably right. Yeah, it's it's, it's interesting, isn't it? Like as, as we mentioned earlier, like 
you know, these players, it's good to have these contingency options, but what we do now is important because this is what we have with our excess players almost. But yeah, yeah. it'll be very interesting to see what happens with that. Um, and yeah, again, we'll go with good well wishes. Yeah, he did a job, you know, help, helped us when we needed him. You know, Fulham away, perfect example. Obviously, like, yeah. he had to come on the right wing back and we moved Spence to the left. Looked very strong on the right side as well, to be fair to him. But um, yeah, you know, situations change and that's just part of football, sadly. But um, unfortunately, we can't all be positive on this. And as you may have seen, there has been a bit of a membership debacle uh, in Hogan Forest in that sense that the club have now upped the away membership from 2,000 to 5,000. Only 400 of those are guaranteed a ticket. So it's basically a free-for-all for the rest of them. It wouldn't have mattered if you went to 17 away games last season. They cost off as 18 or more. You're thrown in with new season ticket holders who may not even be into the away game last year, which sounds absolutely crazy. And needless to say, it's caused a bit of a mess on social media. Reese, obviously, I know you're still very pissed off about this. So I won't dig too deep. But just what was your initial reaction to reading that statement and sort of, you know, again, as an away member yourself, what was your initial reaction to it? He's trying to get some out of me, aren't you? Um, my initial reaction, a bit confused, really, I think, when I did see it. Um, there is always rumours on social media that there was doing kind of a tiered system. I just didn't expect it to be so high. Um, like you just said there, Christian, for someone to have gone to 17 out of 23 away games last season and feel that they're not going to be, you know, in a good position to get Premier League ticket, I think is very harsh. Um, having spoke to the ticket office, you know, a gentleman who was actually quite good um, for the usual people who get the ticket office said that um, 1,500 of the 2,500 members we do have went to less than 10 games last season. So for me, I mean, personally, that would have been my cutoff. I know on the flip, they will say, oh, yeah, you're saying that because you've been to more than 10 and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, I've I've exhausted all my opinions on social media about it. Um, and thankfully, it's kind of died down over the weekend in terms of posts about it. I don't agree with it, but it's, it is what it is. It doesn't sound... Forrest, I know, are going to have a chat, they've said, with Forza and the Trust. Um, and, you know, the Trust is just... Well, you know, that, that'll just be that. That'll just be a chat of this is how we're doing it, and they'll just say okay. So yeah, that's, that's basically how it goes. Like, like once again, I've said it before in this pod. I'll say it again. Fuck the trust. They are shit. <laughs> and I mean, case in point <laughs> was them taking so many. I mean, this is the point. There is they are a source of genuine, like you know, fan outreach. Fans go to them for answers and support, and they are ignored everything about a membership. But what was it they responded to? Something completely like. Oh, it was about the fucking trams, wasn't it? The tram <laughs> ticket. Oh, we'll sit down and talk to the club about the trams, but we'll ignore <laughs> everyone else's genuine grievances about away memberships. How fucking useless. People pay for this shit. Like, honestly, <laughs> anyone who pays for that is a mug. Like, absolutely. Oh, no. Start, no. I started you off now. Fuck the um, Yeah, I mean, you know, I've exhausted my opinions on them as well. Um, you know, and then it's gone on to Fours, who've become a group from. Literally you know, like, organizing displays to kind of being like the club's, you know, fans' mouthpiece. So it's, it is what it is. I, I don't think it's going to change, is it? Um, you know, you know, I kind of once once the dust has settled and that you kind of get over it. You know, it was the same with moving and the season ticket. See, you know, it's disappointing, but you know, some things in life you just have to 
I guess, get over really yeah. because there's no point in, you know, beating yourself up about it when it doesn't look like anything's going to change. But um, just the one, I think the one thing what I would take away from it is the ticket office has been poor at Forest for quite a while. And this way of doing it to me just puts more strain on that ticket office. So that's why I was confused. That's why I said my first thought was about confusion because mm. they're literally now going to have, I don't know, 2,000 tickets when you take away um, the 400 club and, um, you know, other sponsors and players and families, et cetera, et cetera. And you're going to have, for the big games, you know, your Liverpool, your Man United, um, you're going to probably have, you know, four and a half thousand going for like 2,000 tickets. So, but that's up to the ticket office and that's up to Forest. So, you know, I'm yeah. not going to, I'm not going to get, I'm not going to get um, pissed off about so it again, to be honest. Do you, do you know, do you know with um, away games this season, obviously <clears throat> Bournemouth being the exception because they've got a ground which is, Smaller than my new garden shed, I love you, know, right? <laughs> uh, oh, do uh, I take it teams that we play against give us the same allocation as we give them? Essentially, ten percent new ground or total three thousand. Oh, so, yeah. so, so, like, so you can say, so you see, so you can save Man United. You're going to get seven and a half thousand. Then no, 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 it's not three thousand. No, it's, it's caps of three thousand. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, so well, that's the minimum, but yeah, I've had a, I've had a look into this, and most teams in the Prem give three thousand. There is a few who give a few hundred over. I looked at um, like when I was typing each club into Google, for example, um, when I typed in Leicester, a Chelsea ticket allocation come up, and they got like three thousand three hundred for Leicester away last season. But it is mostly three thousand, and I think Brentford was like seventeen hundred. And then Bournemouth will be the other one where it'll be twelve hundred. I imagine Fulham be lower than three thousand as well. I'd imagine so. Um, yeah, yeah, like I said, I, it's just one of them things. Now I've, um, I've accepted it, really, and um, it, it is a sh- it yeah. is a shame. And I, I my my opinion's a bit different because like I didn't have a season ticket last season, and unfortunately. I went to so many games because of, of you, Reese, and then like mm. I got a bit lucky. I got lucky here and there with, with other games, but I think so. It's hard for me to have like have that angst almost. So, but I understand where you're coming from. My only thing is, is like if you the hardcore, the four hundred, they're the hardcore. Obviously, there's obviously there's probably people that even missed out on that. Maybe I don't know. Um, I think that was I, I think that was four hundred they put aside for four hundred people. I don't that think went, anyone I don't think anyone who'd been to eighteen or more missed missed out. Right. As far as I'm aware. I just or, think they counted the number like if you get me. But I know what people are saying that they're worried that they might miss out on a ticket uh to someone that's never been to an away game last season. For me, I think those people that are dedicated hardcore supporters will get a ticket because they're they want they'll they'll want it more. So they'll be they'll stay, they'll be like on the internet or on the phone within seconds of them going on sale. So for me, people who didn't go to an away game last season, I can't see them getting the away membership and, and getting getting a ticket. I'll be I'll be very surprised. I think what it was like last season with having an away membership was you they would tell you the time and you'd go on at say nine o'clock and you knew you'd get a ticket because there was a 3,000 allocation, there was 2,500 away members and you had that that time for everyone else to get them. So there was no panic. 
nah, you've got to be on the ball, ready yeah. every game pretty much. And we know what the site's like, it crashes, you know, and I, I personally think it's going to be carnage, but we'll see. Um, the thing, I mean, what I don't get is that you could actually, it's, <clears throat> this is a very slim possibility, but it is still a possibility. You'll get fans who will buy you a membership and they don't get the free games, but they simply can't get a ticket. Just because you'll be basically like people are basically paying forty pounds for a raffle entry essentially because there's no guarantee yeah. you get one. Mm-hmm. So let's say you're incredibly unlucky, you miss out nineteen times, then you lose it. You've literally spent forty pounds on nothing. But it's a genuine possibility. <laughs> like I mean, I mean, like Adam, like Adam just said there. You know, Adam mentioned hardcore. Nah, for me, if you've been twenty three home games last season and been seventeen away, I'd still think you're pretty much hardcore. Even if you've been do- a dozen away, you know what I mean. They yeah. didn't. They, did, they didn't count the Sheffield United game, for example. They didn't yeah, count that's that. A bit, it was oh, that, that, that's a shame. I um, think like it's where do you put the cut? Where do you put the cut off? Because say if you one off, then. say if you yeah. say if you put say if you got it to like fifteen away games or more, and you got into the like the top tier category, then people are gonna who went to fourteen and go, well, what about me? And it's like, where do you where is the cut off? It is. That, it's, yeah. it's a difficult one. That's why I thought double figures would have been good. Um, after what that guy said from the ticket office, you know, fifteen hundred out of two and a half thousand hadn't been to more than ten last season. Um, but you know, people will probably be like, "Oh, you're just bitter about it because you didn't get one." Because I was, I was too off personally. But it is what it is. I, I hope they do bring in a, a middle tier, but I can't see it. And um, I was hoping to do every. To be honest, I was hoping to do every away game this season. Nah. I don't know. It just depends on the hassle of some. But I'll try February away games still and what tickets I can get. Um, I'll be on the ball and people who are going will be on the ball to try and get them, hopefully. Joe, just quickly before you move on, Christian, going back to the the whole trust thing, I saw Forza mention like they've always tried to push the club for some sort of like council kind of thing. Yeah. Which would be be interesting because obviously... It's kind of would then work like a presidential thing, like who do you elect, like which one's the bit, who's going to look out for you the most, and it and then it obviously becomes a bit of a popularity contest. And yeah, it's like, oh, just looking out for your mates, isn't it? Yeah, because you just want wouldn't want a yes person because you know we know what it's like at Forest. People who've got in with a club and that are very you know we've had it before. I'm not going back on just before, but you know, um, you know, very like um won't speak out against the club and anything they do and that. So, you know, then the trust, the trust typify that. It's like Forest, a trust is meant to be, for, if Forest, they're meant to like, not, not be all meant but to be tra- liked. They aren't well, meant to be liked by the club. The, the people that Yeah, they're meant to out. challenge, they're meant to yeah. challenge the club. Exactly, and, because they and, push them. It's about, it's about building a better Nottingham Forest for the fans. You know, every, you know, it's brilliant we're in the Premier League and it will, you know, as time goes on, hopefully, but we can get, you know, better things at the ground and stuff, you know, better catering, just a better match day experience. It's not about moaning or anything. It's just about building the club between the fans and the club and making it better for everybody. You know, Forest will benefit out of this as well, because, you know, if they improve the catering, improve the match day experience, they'll be generating more money. And that's what it's about. And the the trust really should be coming to the front on issues you know, it's it's like I know someone mentioned like the ground maintenance, like the jet washing is the side of the trend. That's something that really like the trust could push on and just say, look, we can we can look for you guys 
and get a company in place to do it for you and things like that. But, you know, that's, you know. But the issue is it's because you've got a trust who care more about having a seat at a closed-off event, asking Steve Cooper what his first pair of football boots were, as opposed to actually <laughs> looking out for fan welfare. That's how pathetic they are. But, but unfortunately, yeah. that's the state of events we're in. But I mean, Adam, what I was going to ask you is, because obviously I understand you're looking to home membership as well. Obviously, I've renewed this season. I've got gold again. But I mean, <laughs> the whole point of having, one of the perks of having home membership, apart from obviously getting home seats, was that you know you had some form of away priority um, just after season ticket holders before general. Obviously, that's now been shattered. So I was just wondering, what's your thoughts about that? Because I mean, you, basically, unless you get a ticket through someone who has an away membership on the debate they can't go, Realistically, anyone with home membership, even season ticket holders, aren't going to get a chance to go away. I've kind of resigned to the fact that I probably won't get to go. I think once, if say we've become a bit of a, an established team in the Premier League, and obviously the extension goes ahead, therefore you can maybe, maybe things will get sorted out a bit more. Is probably when the chance I can, I can get an away membership, but. Yeah, I think I've just resigned to the fact I'm going to stick with the home membership and then hopefully in the next year or two when, when everything goes ahead with the, the expansion and everything, I then get the season card again. I mean, it's a shame that the club couldn't expand the the, season, the sales of season tickets this season and they want to make, remain loyal to those who stuck by and that's that's completely fine. I understand that people who went to watch games under Chris Hugh and fair play to you, even Lamucci to an extent, fair play to you because it wasn't always pretty. Uh, so yeah, I've, I've kind of resigned to it. I'm, I'm, we're going to be on Sky a hell of a lot. We've seen how many fixtures have already moved, and I think that's where people may get tickets home and away is when the fixtures move and and people can't get to games, and you might have a bit more of a chance, especially if you get like a Monday night game or a Friday night game. But you you've got a bit more of a hope then, I think. Definitely, yeah. Be Sunday evening as well. Forgot about that. Saturday nights when it's like eight o'clock. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's, it's sky really like rear end a lot of supporters and and train companies and all this sort of stuff. Yeah, so, and end of the day, the broadcasters rule football. Yeah, they do. That, yeah, that is do. that. That's yeah, why that's you get why, so many millions. That's why, yeah, and that because they will turn around and say, "Well, I'll tell you what, then." Really, really, you know, this is what Simon Jordan's concept is. Premier League don't need Sky or BT. They could create their own platform. They've got yeah. the, they've got the the coverage. They've got the the product. So why they need a middleman to kind of really, you know, I don't like I, Netflix of football kind yeah, of. Yeah, I don't. In, in this day and age, I don't kind of get that they could just cut the middleman out and generate more money. But it's kind of as if like you know we're all friends with, with people at Sky, so we'll give them a big bag of money. And this is why during COVID, the broadcasters were pushing, you know, um, for football to come back because they were losing money because they had to knock money off people's subscriptions because they wasn't getting any live sport and they obviously pushed for it to come back. So, yeah, they, they ruled a massive chunk of football. I agree, it's times and that are shit, but, you know, it's one of them. It's like, you know, when they rule it, They'll just say, oh, take a load of your money away. So it's his shit in that sense. So obviously, Lee, as you imagine, we'll try and de-ice it somewhat. But, I mean, as Reese mentions, so I'd say obviously a 1,000 out of the 2,500 away members have been to 10 away games or less. I mean, it's a possible alternative. My view is that should have kept it at 2,500 away membership scheme and give the same, same rules as this year. 
but those who had 10 or less wouldn't have been able to renew. In other words, they'd have to go, they, they wanted to keep their membership, they'd have had to go back for a general sale. And that way it makes it less of a closed shop. You know, it gives new people the option every year. I think that would have been a lot fairer than doubling it essentially and making it more dog eat dog. Uh, do you have any possible alternatives as to what, you know, to avoid the chaos that's been unfolded? No, I quite like that idea, Christian. I think that is a good idea. I think anyone who's had the away membership for two or three years and literally done it for Derby away, I think is... It, there was always going to come a time when that would bite you on the arse, I think. Um, mm. While we're a championship club, I think it had just been a case of renew it. Happy days. Um, when you move into the Premier League, you've got to do things a little bit differently. But at the same time, I can see why the likes of Reese are absolutely thoroughly pissed off with it because... Mm. I think Reece said he did 17 last year. Now, to go from either 18 to be in the 400 club or one to be, you know, having to scrap it out for the extra, what, 2,000 tickets for every game, it's just ridiculous. I mean, if you think about it as well, you could have missed out on doing 18 because Bournemouth got rearranged. Yeah. Um, so it's it just seems too big a gap. Um I, th- I think a third a third bracket would have been ideal for someone who did say ten to seventeen. Mm. They could maybe have the second priority. Um, I don't know. I don't know how many fans that would have covered. So th- there must be. I-, I would just like someone at the club to come out and say someone such as Murphy or whoever it would be that sits in these meetings and say, "This is why. We- this is the thought process behind it." Because I don't like. I hate it when people slag the club off on. Twitter and, and Facebook and that. I think it's especially when we've just won promotion. It's yeah. some people. There is there is a certain section of people who are never happy unless they're moaning. I'm convinced um, unless they're throwing mud at the, the people who run the club, they're not happy. Um, but with something like this, you can't. This is people's. With everything that's happened, we've not been able to go to football. Last season was the first year when everyone could go back in grounds, and I think it means such a lot to be able to go and watch your team and to now get promoted, and for certain people such as Reese. To potentially miss out on Liverpool, Man United, Arsenal, Chelsea, um, to people who have maybe not been to an away game for 15 years is absolutely ridiculous. I mean, you say that back in your head, that's absolutely ridiculous. Mm. So you can stand on the terraces at Burn Albion or you can go to Preston on a Tuesday night, you can go down to Bournemouth on a Friday night, that sort of stuff. But now you might miss out on a ticket to Anfield where we've not played for over 23 years to someone who's just decided on the off chance, oh, my work plan's changed, very convenient. Um, I might try and get a ticket for Anfield now. I think that's absolutely, I think that from a club perspective, that's absolutely appalling. That they've, that they've, allowed, that they've allowed that to happen. I think it's appalling. Mm. Um, me personally, my circumstance, I can't really be too picky with what they've come up with. For the simple reason, I'm not an away member that just has it for Derby, but at the same time, I didn't go to 17 last year. Mm. I think I think we worked out, we did about nine or 10. Um, so I mean I can't really be too What it is what it is yeah it's, it's a bit annoying I'll have to scrap it out for the tickets and I might lose out to someone that's not been for the last four years or five years away or 15 years away but that that's the choice I mean everyone has other commitments on a Saturday I'm an official I have to give certain Saturdays up for that so I, I don't go away all the time but for someone like Reese who's been who went to 17 to miss out on those tickets that are going to be like gold dust is really really poor form, I think. Yeah, I think like, yeah, I I, I can't get my head around it really. I mean, I've asked like other mates, like other clubs, Premier League clubs, like how is it run for them? 
know, most of it's loyalty based. Obviously, we've scrapped all those now as well. So it's just yeah. Oh. I just think as well. I just think as well. Another thing that I want to put on record because obviously, when you're trying to have conversations with people over trying to get your point across in a way where you're not being a twat on social media, it doesn't work because you've got 280 characters or whatever it is these days. When I say I don't think it should be a closed shop at all. I think it's great that new fans want to come and watch us, but. A new fan can't just... People say, oh, we're in the Premier League now, but everyone should get a bite of that, Cherry. Well, they should. But let's look at... I've got friends who are Liverpool fans, who are Man United fans, that sort of stuff. The loyalty that they need to show to go to games is ridiculous. Yes, for a start, well. for a season for a season ticket, you're looking at seven years on a waiting list. So you can't just rock up and think, I want to go. Um, yeah, I know we're not quite Liverpool yet, but still, that, that's the message from the club that we're trying to think a bit like that. The away system is Liverpool's away fans for the hour of FA Cup game. They needed to go to an FA Cup game against Luton, which was six seasons ago. That was the first one of the one of the criteria that you had to tick. So I'm sorry, but new fans don't just get a, a looking willy nilly at big clubs. That's not how it works. I get that, like you say, Christian, new fans should be allowed a, a little sniff, but it should have been capped at two thousand five hundred still, and not yeah. five thousand. Oh, and right, then every in it. theory every, every year because they've said that if you don't go to three you'll lose your, your right to do it. Every year a, a little drip of new fans will be allowed to come and join the party. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's, it's they've actually made it ironically they made it more of a closed shop now than what yeah, it was I before. Agree. Because you know, whereas before, like you know, say say we have three thousand right, so you get an allocation of three thousand. Let's say Newcastle first game of the season, very apt. Okay, so yeah. under the old membership scheme, you'd have two and a half thousand members um, and plus you know, hospitality, etc. Let's, yeah. let's say they're not all of them are taken up. So let's say there's still 500 tickets left, for example, right? And that would then go to season ticket holders. If season ticket holders couldn't do it, that would then go to home members. If they couldn't do it, on a very rarely chance it would go this down, far down, that would then go to general sale. Yeah. Now, it won't even go past away members. Every no. season ticket holders, even you obviously can't get new ones, sorry, but season ticket holders will now have no chance of going to away games unless they're a member, which yeah. it seems stupid. That makes it more of a closed shop because that it's, oh, it's just... Yeah, so, it'll, be, no so it'll, it'll essentially be an open shop. I think it's is it this Wednesday at one o'clock when they go on sale to every season ticket holder that wants to try and get an away membership. So there'll yeah. be what? Two, there'll be 2,500 left, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, Assuming everyone renews. So yeah. for that, for that, for that twelve minutes that I anticipate they'll be still be on sale, it will be an open shop. It will be a free for all. It will be like know, Curry's are selling TVs yeah. for a quid. It will be ridiculous mm-hmm. for for that twelve minutes when they're on sale. It will be an open shop, like you say. Once they're sold out, it's it's an even it's an even bigger closed shop than it was last season than it has been for the last god knows how many seasons while the away memberships existed. Um, it just makes no sense I mean thing is is what they they do now because obviously like going forwards you can't just say oh no we were wrong we're going to cut back to two and a half hours people will say well no I paid for this I've earned this I I don't know their time time to do it their time to to backtrack would have been um, before before they opened the sale for the rest of the season ticket holders because then they could say actually we are just closing it there's because there might be a hundred people that, if all these work patterns are suddenly shifting, some people might now have work patterns that mean they can't go to as many games, so they think I'm not going to renew my away membership. Um, and then there might be say be a hundred left. Um, that said, why would you do that if you know the system's like this? Because 
again, I know another Liverpool fan. He's a season ticket holder. He doesn't go to the home games at all. But he's not going to not renew it because he'll be on a waiting list for seven years. So all he does is mm. sells his ticket every week. Are you telling me there's not going to be Forest fans now who buy a ticket? Well, join the join the you know squabble for a ticket for every game. If they get them, um, they'll just sell them so that they can bump up the loyalty. And then next season, oh yeah, you've done your three games, you can have your away membership again. And, and, and the, I think the other thing as well that I think will piss Reese off, I'm not sure if he mentioned this because it's been a while since I spoke about it, I, I just think it will annoy people if they... It, there's going to be a massive dogfight for Liverpool, Arsenal, Man U, Chelsea. Mm. I dare bet you, if you want a ticket for Brighton away, I bet you'll get one straight away. Because those 2,500 fans that, haven't yeah. going, that haven't been going to Preston, Reading, all these games, they're not going to want to go to Brighton. They're not going to want to go to Wolves. They're not going to want to go to Southampton. So I don't think Reese will have any. If, if he is going to stick to going away most weeks, he don't have any problems with those tickets. It'll just be the ones that, oh yeah, I want to take my young and to see Liverpool away. Well, yeah. So do a lot of other people who've been going to Reading and Preston. I keep using Reading and Preston, don't I? Apologies I to any fans that. that might be tuning in. <laughs> oh God! But we are in the Premier have, League, guys. Let, let's, let's be have, excited. Let's have something more. <laughs> let's have something more positive now. We've got us negative out of the way. We are actually going to something a bit more positive. So, obviously, our question to you was about uh, Lewis Graven. Obviously, your favourite Lewis Graven moment. Obviously, we'll go around the last season as well. So, we'll read us on yours first. So, um, Callum Savin says, too many to mention them all, although I think I will pluck for the last-minute winner at Millwall. Uh, Richard Jacks said, the goals against the Sheep were special, but I'm saying this header against Huddersfield, great header from cessation running across. We're in a mess, and that was the beginning of the charge up the table. A bonus, it was against Huddersfield. Uh, John Michael White, the goals against Derby. As you can imagine, that's quite a very popular one. Uh, David Jones says, Harlock Christmas, who's skipping down the wing like a 21-year-old, past two players, then p- pinging across straight to Brennan Johnson, who buried the winner. That Gary Baldy nerds, scoring against Derby in 2019. Andrew Hills, honourable mentions, Derby goals and the goal against Millwall, but that finish against Arsenal's class set us up for a unbeaten, a brilliant run and I'm maintaining our long unbeaten for the first of colours. Uh, Peter Williams, that genuine grin after sinking Arsenal in the cup. And Craig Hollands finally goal against Derby in a 1-0 win. So thank you all for those. Obviously, he's had 56 goals. There are many brilliant moments. But, Reese, what is your favourite Lewis Graben moment in Nottingham Forest shirt? There is so many. Um, you've reeled some really good ones off there, Christian. You know, obviously, the ones against Derby, you know, this season's, well, last season's now. Um, and the one as well when, was it Jaden Bogle one who made that awful pack pass and he was alive and smashed it in the corner. I think I've just been thinking about this while we've been talking. I think my favourite grabber memory was the equaliser in the 5-5 at Villa because that was just, you know, if there's a game that pops into your head now and then it's that because that was the most craziest 90 minutes I've ever seen. And Lolly, Carvalho, Cash and Graben were all absolutely brilliant that night. And if we could have defended, <laughs> we would have actually won the game. But, you know, I think it was 5-4 once it was down to 10 men. Um, and then you're like, you know, I remember being in that away end and it was like, fucking how the fuck have we lost this? You know what I mean? 2-0 up and I think it was 3-2 up and crazy, 4-3 up maybe. And, um, and you're like, God, we've ended up losing it and, Obviously, grabbing right at the end, and he kind of squeezed. I think there was a bit of a nick off there. The defender be like squeeze it in, and he was a bit subdued. And he scored the first goal of the night, 
um, I believe. And then he was a bit subdued in his celebration because he'd just come from like Villa off alone, Spalanti. But in like yeah, yeah. when he got the equaliser, he kind of just like roared at the away end and um, yeah, obviously got us um, a point that night. So I've got to kind of go something away from the others. I'm going to go for that one for me. Nice, it's a good one to be fair. It's a nice, nice left field choice of that as well. Uh, Adam and Carvalho's best game for Forest. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get him there. Adam, what about you? Your favourite Gavin oh, moment? It's, it's so difficult. There's loads in there. I think this season he was really limited and I think the once we actually got going, he was pretty vital for how we played. Um, it's just a shame that he got injured and kind of didn't have a part to play in the running, really. Um, after it was Peterborough got injured, didn't he? I'm going to say... My favourite moment for for Graben was when he in the first season, and I, and I always go back to it. The the the, sec, the first goal against Fulham was was a sensational mm. team goal, but I think the second goal he scored was just like pure like striker where he got the ball and just absolutely wellied it in the top corner. I think I'm going to go for that. Just it was not a typical Graben kind of goal. He's especially even the one against Birmingham this season where he where he's outside the box. He didn't score very many outside the box. I think that was maybe the early one, but. Such a poacher, in he really he could carry the ball exceptionally well. Good, good hold up as well, weirdly enough, because you didn't really associate that with with him. But yeah, maybe not quite the the shouter of leadership from from him. But I think he did more more than lead by example. His work rate was was pretty good. I thought a great servant, great value for money for six million for the, for the bagsman as I, as everyone called him. But no one else. Yeah. So Lee, obviously again, uh, Lewis Graben. So, yeah, what's your favourite Lewis Graben moment in a Gary Ballie red shirt, Lee? Do you know what? I was actually going to come up with a really amusing one, but um, my favourite moment from Lewis Graben, if Derby had gone down the season before last, it would have been him missing that penalty at Sheffield Wednesday. <laughs> um, 100%. I would have just, just for the comedy value. I'm actually going to go for his Derby goal from the season just gone. Um, I just think there's nothing better than a, when you score against Derby when it has been cagey for a long period. The relief is just mm. unbelievable. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to go for that one. I, I quite liked his goal when we won 1-0 as well, when it was a mistake. Was it Dole who slipped him in? Yeah, I quite liked that one, but that was a bit... I think Graben gets a lot of stick sometimes for being a tapping merchant, doesn't he? But I actually think he had to do quite a lot for that goal um, in the last Derby game. Um, so yeah, and that and the fact that it was his last goal for Forest as well. So yeah, I'm going to go for that. Um, I think it just typified grabbing right place, right time, um, good technique, and uh, another another big goal as he as he so often produced. That's true. Yeah, no, it was it was a class a class. I mean, I think you're right. It was a moment of elation, wasn't it? I mean, I remember we spoke before about the game on the pod, and you were sort of like, I shake hands, I draw now, so I don't lose it. And then you said yeah, once that once that goal goes in, it's just a huge lift. It's like, yeah. Yeah, and I think the first half as well, they were probably the better side. Lawrence missed that sitter, didn't he? And I think mm. we went into half time thinking, thank God it's half time. And then to score two minutes into I think it was about two or three minutes into the second half. Um yeah, there's no there's nothing better than even winning at Wembley, there's nothing better than celebrating against Derby <laughs> sometimes, is there, I suppose. <laughs> it's a fair point. It's a very fair point. Um I think I'm gonna go, I'm gonna give up a few. So I mean I remember. I feel like I mentioned just like off the top of my head. Like I remember like Swansea away under the Mucci, we won one nil. Grab and ran down the right hand side, put the ball across for Samedo. 
Uh, Bolton away under Karanka. I think he got grabbed a brace. Scored from an improbable angle, won them as well. But um, so obviously you have, obviously you have your, the, the obvious ones too. But um, I think uh, I remember Hull away being a good one. We won it 2 0 Boxing Day and he scored a penalty. I don't know what happened between grabbing the keeper, but Graven's celebration was literally to walk right up to the keeper's face and just smile at him the whole time. And um, with him getting incredibly more and more irate, and he scored a banging goal the second half as well. Then I think I would say the Derby goals. Like I think obviously the one I mean the one in um, the one nil win obviously that was quite an emotionally charged game anyway because it was remembrance the close game to remembrance day and I obviously forced a massive banner for it it was like incredible stuff that so for him to score the winner that was huge and um, obviously again set us on the way in the two one this season uh, but I think my pick would be the Arsenal game pure uh, not even the fact that I live in the south and the fact that like, I know a lot of Arsenal mates and how it rattled them so much the fact it was grabbing as well but I mean. The, the way he did it, like the way he peeled off white, the way he got into space, the way he attacked it awkwardly with his best foot forwards, like it was just such a brilliant, brilliant finish. And obviously, like again, to beat a team that missed out on top four by a whisker, one nil, and Graben was the person that got that goal. I think that, that was massive. And like you know, like that um, person said, quit into us. His smile after that game. The meltdown it caused some of their fans. Like I said, I posted that tweet. The guy having like going absolutely ballistic from grabbing scores. It was yeah, that was perfect. So fair play to him for that. You, you just hate Arsenal, then you know. I like Arsenal. That's, that's the funniest <laughs> thing about it. I actually like Arsenal. It's just their fans. Yeah. Just, they'll be glad to see the back of him this season. Oh, they will. Be. Apparently, he scored against no. Norwich as well in a prem. Another one. What I just. Sorry, back onto topic. Well, another one what I really like was the um, going back onto Carvalho, the little flick from it's him Norwich. against Norwich, mm. and he, and Graben's movement just to break that offside trap, and he like cut it in with the like outside of his boot. That was that was a brilliant the goal. Ball against Huddersfield as well. That was such a technically yes. brilliant goal. Yeah, during that like first that, time. Yeah, yeah the yeah, he's, been, he's, he's it. been he's been tremendous for us. You know, um, superb, superb player. Yeah, yeah. first player to score twenty goals in a season. Since yeah, since Johnson. Yeah, like so. yeah, he'll be. I think someone actually said to me like, you know, on, on to probably, like, for, even from a sentimental view, like Graben scored the first goal that his daughter saw live at a Forest game. Mm. Like that'll always last with someone. Like you know, it's, mm. it's I mean, things like that. He will be missed at Forest. There's no doubt about that. And good luck to him in his career. But um, obviously, going back to the matter of hands, Forest have still got pre-season. We've got Burton, Barnsley. Hertha Berlin, Union Berlin, Notts County and Valencia to come. Obviously, we're not going to rattle through predictions for those because it's free season. <laughs> there's no point. Um, but we will we will have some recap from Burton, Barnsley and the Berlin teams for the next pods. Obviously, if you are at Barnsley, come and say hello. I'm sure some of us will be there. I will be. So, and uh, yeah, keep enjoying the summer. Keep enjoying the great weather and keep enjoying Forest making Premier League signings. Take care and see you next time. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home advantage of McDelivery. You win? Order now on McDonald's app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.